Tonight we discover a memorable woman. The story that we're going to look at is going to, it actually is found in three different places across the gospel accounts. It appears in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. It appears with perhaps the greatest detail in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 where we are actually told that the woman in question is the very same Mary, who was the sister of Lazarus who had passed away, as we looked at in this morning's sermon in our Real Man series. So that same Mary who fell down crying and Jesus wept with her, she is the woman that is described here in the passage that we will be coming from, which is Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Now, as we always do with our Discovery Bible studies, we will first read and reread this passage, hearing it in a couple different voices, perhaps from a couple different translations, if possible. We'll retell it, summing it up in our own words, so what is this passage saying? And then we want to discuss what are some of the details that really stand out to us from it, and then we're going to answer four questions. What does it tell us about God, about people? How will we personally put this into practice, beginning our answers with, I will, unless you just completely ignore me, which often, often happens. And then who needs this that you will tell? So as we think about all this, but what we will uniquely do tonight, because it is ladies' night at the Georgetown Church of Christ, we will insist at risk of public humiliation to any man who violates this, that the ladies get to go first. So when we read and when we come, we want to honor our sisters with the opportunity to be the first to jump in. So as we consider this remarkable, memorable woman in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, which of our sisters would be willing to read for us from this particular passage to get us started tonight in this Bible study? Debbie will. Thank you. New King James Version? Thank you. So Debbie's going to read for us from New King James Version, Mark chapter 14, 3 through 9. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil and she broke the flask and put it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. Ashley, would you be willing to give us another reading of that from the ESV? Mark chapter 14, 3 through 9. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted there? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. Always have the full with you, and whatever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. 
Thank you very much. So I haven't got to hear it a couple times in a couple different voices. Who from among our sisters can get us started? And after one gets us started, anybody, please feel free to jump in. Wants to get us started with summing this up in our own words. In your own words, what's the story about? Love and sacrifice, Julius. Excellent. Excellent summary. But what would you add? Well, I think she saw Jesus as the important thing, not the cost of the jar. And, uh, she That's right. So you see this priority on the person of Jesus and a desire to honor him. Anybody. What else would we add? Other things that we think are pertinent for trying to summarize this story. Yeah, so the timing is crucial for understanding the story, right? Like Jesus is nearing the cross. You know, and specifically with John's placement of it in relation to Lazarus being raised from the dead. And that recognition when Jesus did that, that he knew this is going to tip him over the edge. You know, so there is close proximity between this event and Jesus dying. So what started as, as we know from John, Mary, the woman of this passage, wanting to prioritize and honor Jesus no matter the cost, which appears to be what was going through her head. Jesus looks at what she does, and there was stuff that she didn't even realize that made what she did even more, and I love the ESV's word, beautiful. She did a beautiful thing. Very appropriate. For God to work through a lady to do a beautiful thing. Born of devotion and desire to honor, but which God then made even more meaningful in ways that she couldn't possibly have known. Larry, what would you add to that? Isn't that a, an important point as well? Because as Nick draws out for us the significance of the timing, the reality is that as this story is told, as the story is told across all three gospel accounts that record this for us, it's not just, oh, and she did this thing and everybody's like, oh, how lovely. Part of why Jesus articulated how beautiful it was is because some of his own apostles sitting there. John specifically says, well, Judas was really the instigator. But as Matthew and Mark present it, some of the disciples sitting there not only don't think it's beautiful, they think it's wrong. They scold her for what Jesus says was a beautiful thing. I think there's an important dynamic there for us to recognize too, especially as through these lessons we consider who God has created us to be, both as men and as women. There are differences, and God created them that way, and they're good. Together, we glorify God, but sometimes, when we are different, we are quick to assume that the way we are is right, and anything that's not like us is wrong. So these 
disciples, practical guys that they were, saw that, and it was worth 300 denarii. Could have been, open market. You just went out trying to sell it, it's 300 denarii. Anybody that knows what a denarius is, about how much money would that be for your average worker? Year's wage. Year's wage. You, know, you work about 300 days out of the year, give or take. You know, so that's, that's about as much money as one of these guys would make if they just went out and worked for a whole year. So they look at that and they're indignant. Same word, incidentally, that we saw is how Jesus felt. You know, when he looks around and is deeply moved and he sees death. Now these guys see it and they're indignant. Now they're offended, they're insulted, and they scold her. Like, how could you do something so wasteful? They were wrong. They were completely wrong. She did something that Jesus said is going to be remembered everywhere this gospel is proclaimed. And boy, was that prediction right. Because three of the four gospel writers were inspired to write it down for one thing. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're still talking about it. Pretty big deal. Pretty significant thing that happened here. This Mary of Bethany is more memorable in some ways than some of the 12 apostles. Some of them, we know their names and that's all we know about them. Mary of Bethany, we know her name and a couple other stories about her too. So this love and devotion and honor that she showed to Jesus was significant. And the men around her, men who were followers of Jesus, not only didn't see the beauty, but kind of tried to snuff it out. There's a warning there, right? There's a need for us to appreciate the beauty that God uniquely brings into our lives through our Christian sisters and to try to see it the way that Jesus sees it, even though for a lot of us as guys, it's not the way we're wired, it's not the way we usually think of things, but we need to try to see that beauty with the eyes of Jesus because he saw something that they thought was awful and he actually thought, guys, this is beautiful. Tony, what would you add for a second? Yeah. yeah, right? And that seems to be one of the questions that the disciples are asking, because if you look at how they ask the question, some commentators sort of note that as, is that what they were implying? Like, well, you could have poured a little on it and still used it. And I think that's a man brain right there, Tony, right? Like, well, did she have to use all of it for Jesus? But if the purpose is what Vicky said, what's the correct answer to that? Yeah. That's right. But notice that difference, right? That man brain of ours, we're like, well, could you use a little bit of it? Like, what if we use some of it for Jesus and then use the rest of it for giving to the poor? But that wasn't Jesus' point. You know, Jesus' point was, listen, and, and I love this across both New King James and ESV, she did what she could. That is a powerful little phrase that the Holy Spirit inspired there. It's a powerful phrase that Jesus spoke that the Holy Spirit inspired this writer to preserve and remember so we could hear it. She did what she could. Leave her alone. Was there a command in the law of Moses she was fulfilling by doing this? Did anybody tell her she should do it? She was so overwhelmed with love and gratitude for Jesus, she decided to do it. Leave her alone. She did what she could. And it's beautiful. See why Jesus emphasized this story, right? Larry? For the reason of breaking that glass, just back then, put chemicals in 
I thank our brother Larry for the additional detail, as well as for a wonderful illustration of exactly the point I was making about how men's brains and women's brains work differently. <laughs> Excellent object lesson. Thank you, Larry. That was a very good illustration of the things that we focus on and the things that catch our attention and how God has uniquely made us different. We just tend to think different. What were other details that might have stood out to us from this that we haven't already mentioned? We've covered quite a few. Lance? Any other details from this that stand out to us? big deal period but for her like it's an even more significant sacrifice as a woman expending those sorts of resources for this great addition Vicki I'm glad you pointed that out that's a good detail as well any other details from this that strike us Jay So one tie back to what we had for our sermon this morning. We spent a good deal of our sermon this morning for those that might have missed it in John chapter 11. And when you read John chapter 11 in verse 1, as the setting is described, it's said that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, but it also, in John chapter 11, said this is the same Mary that anointed Jesus with oil. But what chapter of John does that story get told? John chapter 12. So in John chapter 11, before we get to John chapter 12, John's saying, just so you know, this is the Mary that did that thing that you've heard about. That's how memorable it was. She didn't realize that. She didn't do it to try to be memorable. She did it because she loved Jesus. 
But it became so memorable that when John is being inspired to write down his gospel account, he's able to say, this is the Mary that did that before he's even told that story. He hasn't even told that story yet, but he knew people reading it know that story. This is important. This is a pretty pivotal story, and not just for a lady study every once in a while. Like, this is something that any of us that hear the gospel proclaimed will be blessed to glimpse. There's something that Jesus sees here that is worth retelling and retelling and retelling every time the story of his death, burial, and resurrection is shared. I always think that's just a very neat detail about this and just truly how significant what happened here really is. Julia. So Martha didn't know um, for her that by her actions God was going to use that as a symbolic symbol to Jesus um, when he, he said, Jesus come beforehand to anoint my body to the very yeah. um, she didn't have a clue, um, as we said earlier. Yeah. She did what she did out of through or not for Jesus. Um, the thought came to my mind is, is she a part, is this Martha also a part of the same thing when Jesus was crucified and they came and anointed his body and had got him prepped for the, uh, they didn't put him on him, got him prepped for, for burial. Right, so, so Mary of Bethany, right? And it very well could be. Because Marys get mentioned in a number of them. Other Marys, and we're not sure exactly which Mary is which. And then, and just even some of them broadly, they're like, and the other women. So it's possible. Bethany was just a couple miles away from Jerusalem. There would be a lot to suggest. We don't know. But it very well could have been. And if that is the case, that even adds just another layer to it. That's beautiful. But in, in any scenario, I think it is completely safe to say she wasn't thinking, I'm doing this because Jesus is about to die on the cross. Because his own apostles didn't realize. And he told them point blank multiple times, hey y'all, we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die on a cross. And they're all like, what? And no idea what he was talking about. So I think it's safe to say this was purely an act of love. But it was even more significant than she realized because of what God was doing. And I think that there is something that could be true of that for all of us. That if we simply do what we can out of love for God, he can take that and make it even more significant and even more beautiful than we would ever think. Ladies first, what do we learn about God? What's something this passage tells us about God, sisters? Vicky, thank you. And then Ashley. Yeah. So God sees you when no one else does, Ashley says. So the apostles are watching what Mary does, and they're scolding her. They think it's wrong. But Jesus sees it, and he sees it right. He sees it for what it actually is. Like, so even when people around you don't get you, even when people around you don't appreciate you, God sees what you do. 
He sees why you do it. And he thinks it's beautiful. Just the way it is. Excellent start, actually. Thank you. Vicki, what were you going to say for us? And then we'll go to Julia next. Beautiful, Vicki. Julia, what would you add for us there? Well, I wanted to add to what you said earlier about God seeing, seeing um, what we do without us even seeing it. But he also hears. Mm-hmm. Because in verse 4, where um, there were some that had indignation, and they were, the same indignation was in a thought saying, um, you know, what they were thinking about or wasting. Yeah. Beautiful point, Julia. And within that, also a really important point about God that Jesus is the focus. Right? There's all sorts of things that we can have, that we can buy, that we can sell. There's all sorts of things that we can do, but Jesus is the one that matters the most. Loving and honoring Jesus is the top priority. He is worthy of that. Whatever it costs, whatever we spend, Jesus is worth it. He is absolutely worth that level of devotion and honor. Other things that we learn about God through this passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Beautiful point, Tony. Other thoughts. Other things that we learn about God from this passage. Jay. And appreciate within that, and we can probably unpack this a little bit as we get to people, and certainly as we get to putting this in practice, Jesus isn't saying, don't take care of the poor. Because sometimes we can interpret it that way, right? Like, well, Jesus matters most. So, I'm sorry you're hungry. I'm sorry you're cold. But the church is here so that we can pass out communion on Sunday. We can't really help with that other stuff. That's a physical problem. Jesus is more important. No, nope, 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 nope. Can't read the book of James and think that's okay. Can't read 1 John and think that's okay. You can't listen to what Jesus says here and actually think that that's okay. It's not an either or, but it is a question of priority. Jesus matters first. Now, when we see religious groups like just sort of completely setting Jesus to the side and it's all about let's feed the sick and cure AIDS, but there's no mention of Jesus, you know, you can heal sicknesses and you can feed people that are hungry. But if they don't know Jesus, they're still ruined. 
they're still hurtling towards destruction. You haven't really helped in the long run. But when we go to the other extreme and we're like, well, you know, the physical stuff doesn't matter. It's all about your soul's salvation. Well, that's not how Jesus talks about it either. And so recognize that there can be good things that God wants done, but loving and honoring Him comes first. That's the priority. And if we try to do the good things as a way to not love and honor Jesus, He's going to say, whoa, time out. Flag on the play. That's not going to work. Like you can't use doing these good things as a replacement for loving me. Like, no, you need to love me. And then you're going to have plenty of opportunities to go show that love to other people because you're always going to have folks that need some love. But you keep me first. It's a different approach than the corners we sometimes back ourselves into when it comes with navigating issues like this, but it helps to see how Jesus sees it. Other things that we learn about God. One thing that we've touched on, we have a God, we serve a Savior, who honors beauty and love. Jesus, as he walked this earth, recognized when something was beautiful and appreciated it. You know, so much as Tony makes the comment about, you know, God's got to be smiling when he sees people praying, which I absolutely agree with. I also think, you know what, I think God is smiling whenever Amity Chastain pulls that paintbrush back from the last stroke for one of those new verse cards that she made. Because that's beautiful. And it's glorifying him and helping somebody else. I think God is smiling whenever Nia Valentin gets that last little bit of icing on one of those cupcakes for one of those seniors. And she pulls back and looks at it and she's done something adorable and excellent specifically to show love to somebody that might not have shown love otherwise. God sees that. And he loves it. He honors beauty. He cares about that. So if we're going to do things, it's worth doing them well. And I also appreciated, and Vicki had already touched on this, so I won't belabor it, but just that God values something being from the heart more than he does the monetary amount. And we can all think of other passages from Scripture, and certainly even just from the Gospels, that demonstrate that. But in God's eyes, it's not so much about the amount. It's not so much about the spreading out of funds and doing a cost-benefit analysis as it is, where's the heart? Is it a heart that's trying to glorify God? If you're trying to glorify God, you'll be a good steward. But there's really not a price tag on loving God. You really can't love God too much. He's worth whatever we want to spend to love him. Ladies first, what do we learn about people? What's something that you can see about people as we look at this passage? Yeah. We get very stuck on the material, don't we? Very stuck on money. I mean, we can wrap our arms around that. 
You know, you can't really quantify how much you love and honor Jesus. You can quantify 300 days wages. You know, so we're very tactile like that. Like we're very drawn to what we can wrap our arms around. And sometimes it's to our detriment. Other things that we learn about people. Great start, Julia. Thanks. And we work best when we have both. Right? That's part of the beauty of God's design. Right? Jesus chose 12 men to be the apostles, to go out and preach the good news. But he put women there too. And they bring beauty and they bring love and they've got just as important a part to play in all of it too. So instead of trying to weigh out who's more important, maybe let's just recognize we need each other. And if we're going to do what God wants us to do, we've got to have both. We've got to have sisters that are loving and honoring God in the way that He's made them able. We've got to have brothers that are stepping up and loving and honoring God in the way He's made us able. And when we're all doing it together and Jesus is our focus, it'll be something amazing. Nick? That's right. Excellent points, Nick. I'm glad you drew that out. Other things that we might add in terms of people. I wondered if, uh, if she knew how, um, how they were with against her, if she would have done this good work. And so, um, despite Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful thought, Julie. And absolutely true. Like we do good regardless of whether or not someone else is going to scold it, regardless of what someone else thinks. We do it for Jesus. There will always be poor people. That's never going to be a problem we eradicate. That doesn't mean that we throw in the towel. That doesn't mean that we stop caring. But just realistically, until Jesus comes again, we'll always have poor folks. Which means in every generation, we've got to figure out how best to love and lift people in those situations up. That's the challenge. That's not a don't do anything. That's a, so hey, you're going to always have to figure that one out. But we love Jesus first. But it's not just a money problem. There's a whole lot more going on, and it all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. There's no poverty on the first two pages of the Bible. Everything everybody needed just popped out of the ground. It was great. So there will always be folks in need. And it will be the challenge of God's people in every generation to figure out how to show them the love of Christ in a way that lifts them up. But doesn't that just shoot holes in your 
Presbyterian preachers who say, God wants you all to be wealthy and healthy. It absolutely does. And any time that you see it equated, you know, this woman spent a year's worth of wages to honor Jesus before his burial. So y'all really should have got me a new car by now. Uh, yeah, or a jet. I don't need to go that far. A car's good enough for me. No, but I mean, that's the, but you see that and you see that issue. And that's not what Jesus is doing. And whenever you see a man, somebody, anybody, like I guess female preachers could do it too. But anytime you see somebody latch on to something like this and use it to try to force other people to do it, that officially shows they missed the point. Because that's not what this was about. Mary wasn't compelled to do this. Mary wasn't forced to do this. Nobody guilted Mary into doing this. Right? So when we appreciate that about us as people, like God wants things that come from our hearts. God looks at what we could do. He doesn't hold us to somebody else's standard. If we're doing what we could, he knows and he feels honored by that. Lance? One other thing I think that this brings out is no matter what your personal motivation is, no matter how good it is you're trying to do, there's always going to be people who get upset about you doing something that they consider. Amen. Been there, done that, got the t shirt. <laughs> I think we've all lived through that, right? Had those times where something that you meant for good got misinterpreted. Had those times something that you did wasn't appreciated. Had those times where you were defending something where you really felt like, I think you should be thanking me for this, not criticizing me for it. We all go through that. People do that to each other. But God understands. And he helps. And that's what matters. So we can't do it for the approval of other people. How can we put this into practice? There's some heavy stuff here. I will what? What would it look like for us to obey this example that was set, that Jesus himself said needs to be remembered as long as the gospel is preached? Ladies first. Vicki? I can do what you want to do for Jesus and not worry about other people. Yeah, I will make glorifying Jesus top priority I will glorify Jesus no matter what anybody else says I will do what I can that's a great one too because that's an important part of this too great start Vicki and Pam Stephen what would you add for us I will try to see things from Jesus' perspective before I react. Before I react, I will try to see things the way Jesus sees it. Other thoughts, ways we can put this into practice? Larry? Don't quench the fire or envy it. Yeah. I will neither quench nor envy fire. 
when someone is passionately loving the Lord. I will not scold or discourage. I will not get jealous or criticize. We're different, and that's okay. We don't all have to love the Lord the exact same way. What matters is that we love him as we can, as he's made us able. Stop comparing. Stop policing. Just love Jesus. God will work out the rest, and it will be beautiful. Any other I wills? That was a good one, Larry. I like that. Thank you. I will sacrifice for Jesus. As I reflect on what I can do, I'll make sure it's, it might keep me from doing something else. You know, David's got this line where he says, I will not offer to God and sacrifice what costs me nothing. This cost Mary something. She chose to give it because she loved him that much. But let's, I will not just give God the leftovers. I will put God first. He'll get what I've got first. It'll be what I can do. I won't compare myself to somebody else that God might have more opportunity for. But I'll give what I can do, but I will give first. He'll be the first priority. The rest of it will work itself out. I think there's a scripture that says that. Who needs this that you're going to tell? As you think between this morning's sermon, as you think about what we've looked at tonight, and just the overall ideas that we're seeing here, what's something that you might be able to latch onto and use to share with somebody between now and next week? first. Ashley, Vicki, and Julie are like rest y'all on your own. They carried their weight. How can we share, ladies? What could be something from today that you share? Who could be somebody you share with? For anybody on Facebook, the internet did not freeze. They were just that quiet. I refer, Lance, in that comment to John chapter 11 in this morning's sermon about men need to listen. It's probably not something that they care to hear. Our daughters. Thank you for jumping in. What might you want to tell our daughter, Ashley? So think about that for a second. If most of you had an upbringing like mine, if your preacher announced that we're going to have a sermon on women's roles in the church, what's it going to be about? 
what they can't do, right? Isn't that funny? We preach about women's roles, and our focus is entirely on what, the, like, literally the one thing that Scripture says, not this. That's a little backwards, right? Like, there's all of these beautiful, God-honoring women, but the only time we ever talk about women's roles is, like, literally focusing on the one thing. It's like, but seriously, I want you men to step up and do this. So, is something that we share, like, look, you've got gifts, and they're beautiful, and they honor God, and they're worth using. You do not have to be your dad standing up in front of everybody to do something that honors God in a way that's meaningful. I'll tell you, Dan, we have a lot of God community. We can do a lot of things for people. And God sees all of that, and he thinks it's beautiful. That would be a wonderful thing to share. On that theme of beauty, as Lance already illustrated for us earlier, I actually had an opportunity this past week where I was speaking with a young lady, and we were speaking about uh, what Jesus teaches in Matthew 6 about dealing with anxiety and knowing you have value. And I immediately thought, oh, wait right here. And I went and grabbed one of our sister Amity's verse cards with the beautiful little bird on it, with that exact passage on it, and sent her out the door with it. Beauty. Share beauty. God's word is beautiful, and we just happen to have a whole bunch of ways it's beautifully illustrated. Share beauty. That could be something we share this week. Anything else as we close? Lance and then Vicki. Excellent, Lance. Thank you. Thank you. And to a point that Ashley made at the top, um, we might also share, especially if you are working with somebody that feels like they're not seen, God sees. God sees what you're doing. And it's not wasted. He sees and he thinks it's beautiful. There might be somebody you know that needs to hear that. There might be somebody you know that's struggling with feeling unappreciated. Especially a sister in Christ. A mother, a spouse. And to just affirm for them, God sees and he thinks it's beautiful. That can mean a lot. Stephen? Excellent comment, Stephen. Great thought. So aren't you glad that we liberated Mary of Bethany from ladies' studies only and we all got blessed by discovering such a memorable woman? Something here for everybody, isn't there?